now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cubs corner. I'm Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill, located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Obviously closed right now to dine in due to the pandemic, but still open for delivery, so make sure to check out Coach's. Today on the podcast, we welcome a very special guest, an outstanding prospects writer, both on a national level and one with an expertise on the Detroit Tigers. Emily Walden, thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So first off, I just am curious, how did you get involved in writing about prospects? Yeah, it really, funny enough, wasn't a goal that I had. It was more of a focus of just saying, you know what, I, I really want to work in baseball. I want to be able to write stories somewhere around the game. And the opportunity to start covering um, stuff at the minor league level sort of fell in my lap with one of my first assignments. And it just sort of stuck. And I never imagined it would go as far as it did. I never had the aspirations to do it, but... I was able to kind of carve out a fun little place for myself. I've um, really been able to tell some cool stories along the way. And you mentioned telling stories. As journalists, our duty, of course, is to tell stories for other people to hear. So how much pride do you take in telling stories of prospects and minor leaguers whose stories are maybe not often told? Yeah, it's honestly the highlight of what I get to do. I think just going around um, building relationships, which is something that I do naturally, as it is, um, it really opens up the door to just some cool cool aspects of the game that not many people get to see. Um, obviously, at the minor league level, you get to see guys start their career from the bottom up. Um, you see some of the growth that they go through. You see the ups and the downs. And I sort of get to chronicle that along the way. So once they make their debut in the majors, it's pretty cool to see that, having known where it all started from. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Who are two prospects that you've seen, um, one that you thought was going to be really good and you were right, and one that you thought was going to be really good and you were wrong? Um, I, I try to steer clear of labeling guys as not good. <laughs> um, I, I give honest honest opinions of them, but I would say one that um, – I was really impressed with from the absolute beginning was Luis Patino with the Padres. And he was somebody who started as sort of an off-the-radar pitcher and has developed into one of the absolute top arms in the Padres farm system. Um, So he's somebody who is still obviously very young, um, has a few more jumps before he gets to San Diego, but um, he's one who has been really fun to watch develop and um, definitely a lot of other names. So I'm excited to see how they progress as well. And throughout your career, who's been the best player you've seen at the minor league level? Oh, my goodness. Um, I would, gosh, shooting from the hip, and I'm probably forgetting people, I would have to go with either Joe Adele with the Angels or Fernando Tatis Jr. I think those two have really stood out with being a well-rounded prospect. Obviously, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is known for his hitting abilities. I watched a lot of him when he was in the Midwest League. Um, But as far as overall, really well-rounded guys, probably somewhere between Joe Adele and Tatis Jr. Gotcha. Now we'll shift gears into the Cubs a little bit. You know, Cubs fans hear so much about Nico Horner, Miguel Amaya, Brennan Davis, Braylon Marquez, and Adbert Alzali. Is there any information you have on any of those guys? 
Um, obviously all very exciting names, um, for obvious reasons. And I got to see a lot of Braylon Marquez, um, Brennan Davis and Nico Horner. And then a couple other ones who I, I enjoyed watching, um, Cole Roterer for one. Um, he was somebody who stood out as really a consistent force on the team. He wasn't ever overly flashy, um, but he was somebody that you knew was going to be consistent. He was going to be dependable and saw a lot of really good stuff from him. Um, and then as far as Miguel Amaya, I got to see him more when he was in Arizona last fall. Um, he was the affiliates that he was assigned to were kind of out of my travel area, but I did get to see a lot of him in Arizona and having seen him at the lower levels to where he's come to now, just really, really impressive. Physically, he's developing so well. He's got a lot of natural power at the plate. Really good person, too. Um, that type of makeup is, is very important to me, just to see an attitude or how, how they handle interactions with, you know, everyday people. And Miguel is somebody who has always been very pleasant with me. He's always been very polite. Um, somebody that I think a lot of people should be excited about. And... I don't know how much of spring training you got to see, whether it be in Arizona or Florida, but did you think Nico Horner had the potential to make the roster whenever the season would get open, or did you anticipate him starting in AAA? You know, I would love to say I saw spring training, but I actually got shut down before I was able to leave because of when everything hit. So unfortunately, I did not get to travel out there, but... What I had heard is that his chances were very good. Um, I spoke to a couple scouts who had gotten some looks at him, and they, they liked what they had seen. So as far as how that would have played out, obviously we, we won't know from a spring training perspective, but scouts were optimistic about it, and I think his chances were good before everything kind of went awry. Gotcha. And, and once you look at those five or six prospects, once you look a little bit deeper into the Cubs system, it's obviously still a work in progress um, since a lot of the guys either came up or were traded during their kind of championship window. Um, aside from those guys, are there any other names? You mentioned Cole Roderer, but any others that um, you have seen or heard about for Cubs fans to keep their eyes on? Yeah, a few other ones um, who I think could still be interesting to watch. They're obviously not as high up on the list so I think they kind of get caught in the mix a little bit. But Riley Thompson was one who I saw throw several times in the Midwest League. He was a bit older for the league. Um, I know that's a little bit of a kind of a realistic factor where you think about the types of hitters he's facing. Um, but just really, really solid stuff. Um, he's another one who's not overly flashy, but he's confident in his stuff. I think he's really confident in his ability to mix pitches. Um, and I saw some good success from him. Um, Zach Short is another one who I saw um, during the season and I also saw in Arizona at one point. Um, and then Justin Steele was somebody who I saw as well who put up some impressive stuff. So definitely some names down the list a little bit that are worth following. Um, but much like, as we talked about, the Detroit Tigers system and a lot of other systems, the Cubs are in that position where they're going to have to still fill some of those gaps um, to have a little bit more solid group of names coming up to the major league level when they eventually get that call. Right, and um, you mentioned other kind of fulfilling that and getting some of those guys is is done in the draft, but in the agreement reached by the MLB and the MLBPA, it gave the players guaranteed service time if there's no season amidst this 
coronavirus crisis, but it also gave MLB the power to cut down the draft and potentially kind of trim the minor leagues a little bit. It, it kind of seems like, as often the case, the, the minor leaguers kind of got screwed over a little bit. It's It was a tough thing to follow, and I think seeing the way that it played out, it does show, again, the importance of how much minor leaguers need a union. Um, the way that they are right now, it's extremely difficult to think of that becoming a possibility, um, but it does show how important representation is. Um, so for these kind of situations, they really are the perfect example of what a need that is. Um, obviously, seeing the draft cut down, it's going to impact a lot of players. You're going to see guys coming out of either you know, high school or college who may detour because they don't get that chance. We could see a lot of guys who end up not pursuing a career in baseball because of the change. So it's going to affect a lot of lives. Um, it's going to really take an impact on the game, and we just have to hope that it plays out for the best. And in regards to the draft, what um, additional information or information at all do you have that you could give our listeners? Um, I haven't really been told too much because I don't think there's a lot to be confirmed at this point. I think there's still a lot of questions up in the air. Um, I think what they're trying to figure out now is how do we structure this in the best way? We've cut it down to, you know, a limited amount of rounds. And now how do we sort of lessen the blow? I think at the end of the day, nobody wants to see, you know, careers ruined by it or guys losing that opportunity. But you know, when it all comes down to it, it's it's going to impact people in a big way. So now it's up to Major League Baseball to figure out how to structure this and have it make the most sense for everybody. Yeah, and you mentioned not only minor leaguers, but also a lot of college and high school players are negatively affected by this. If the draft is cut down to from 40 rounds to 5 or 10, which is seems to be the numbers that have been floated around, we're talking about over a 1,000 players either returning to college or having their careers ended, and then hundreds of more high school players going to college instead of the pros, which it also seems will really cloud up some college programs, thus limiting even more people from getting to the pros eventually. So there's a lot of trickle-down effect from this. Yeah, there definitely is, and it's it's hard to watch just knowing how hard these guys work and how much they prepare for this opportunity, and so you, you really just have to hope it does work out to the benefit of some because no matter how you paint it, it's it's going to negatively impact quite a few people involved. And just in general, I, I wonder what ramifications could this whole situation have on the future of the game at an amateur level? Because it seems like there, there haven't really been any positives. Well, and, and the realistic fact of it is that they're changing the game, and Commissioner Manfred doesn't seem to be open to slowing that down. Um, the owners are obviously looking for more opportunity to make money um, from the business side of it, and the unfortunate thing is that when you focus more on the business side, some of the game and fan perspectives can really take a blow, and I think that's what's happening here um, with the chopping block of the 42 affiliates who are set to be done um, it's it's pretty tough to think about. We, we would love to see the game not touched, but um, with the decisions of the commissioner and the owners, um, it's definitely heading in a different direction. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And shifting gears into college baseball a little bit, and the Illini, which is the other team I, I do a lot of work for and cover, um, there are recent players currently in minor league systems 
And I know you do a lot of traveling, you see a lot of prospects. So I'm curious if you've seen or heard anything about any of these players, um, Bren Spillane, Michael Massey, Zach Taylor, Jack Yalowitz, Ben Troike, Taylor J, Cody Sedlock, Andy Fisher, Pat McInerney, Duran Turchin, Joey Gerber, and Luke Schilling. Sorry to spring all of those on you. <laughs> um, I would say really the only one that kind of comes to mind is Joey Gerber. Um, he's someone who I'd heard bits and pieces from other scouts, but I actually have not gotten to see him in person. Um, but there's some, some stuff to be excited about with him. I just haven't been able to form too solid of an opinion, just not having seen him personally. Yeah, and the rest of the guys, most of them were just recently drafted, so hadn't really gotten a ton of a chance to play, especially with this season yet to really get underway. In terms of the Illini still in college, Garrett Acton, Ty Weber, Jimmy Burnett are just among some of the players with pro aspirations. So I'm curious, how could this virus and potential draft cut down and minor league trimming affect them and other college players in the future? Uh, yeah, just kind of how we talked about before. It's it's gonna it's gonna be a blow for a lot of these guys, you know, especially for the ones who were maybe gonna get taken in later rounds. Um, they may miss the opportunity altogether this year because of that cutback. Um, so right now, like I said, we just have to hope that it can work out to the benefit of some. Um, obviously, the higher round guys, they'll be okay, um, but the lower round guys, they may have to refocus on their future looks. And, and there have been a, a lot of different uh, proposals and potential ideas and plans for how the MLB could attack this situation. The most recent one today is that there could be a division realignment and teams could play almost the entire season from their spring training facilities. How uh, feasible do you think a plan like that is? I'm not personally a fan of it. Um, I think that Florida should be completely steered clear of at this point with the state of everything down there. And I think that speaking of possibly playing in May is just a bit ridiculous. Um, the fact that so many states haven't even hit their peak yet with the virus um, and to put these families in harm's way, to put the players and staff in harm's way, I don't think it's a realistic expectation. And I'm really hoping that they restructure that thought because I, I don't see that being beneficial. Yeah, at first glance, it appears like a great idea because just how much we all miss baseball. But when you really look into it, there's um, obviously a lot of risk and it doesn't really even seem that possible at this point. Yeah, it's it's not something that I'm personally a fan of. So I'm hoping that they give that a little bit more thought before moving forward and hope that they restructure it a bit to benefit everybody. And before I let you go, I've got one final question for you. Across your career covering baseball, what has been your greatest memory or experience? Or if you can't pick one, just a couple. I would have to say meeting Al Kaline, who just passed away recently. Um, he was somebody who my dad always idolized as a child when he was in his playing career. Um, and getting the chance to meet him three years ago during spring training and sharing conversation. Uh, we snapped a picture together, had some quick, quick thoughts. Um, it was something that I will personally never forget just because he was such an icon um, and did so much good for the game and for the city of Detroit. Um, so that was really special for me. And of course, rest in peace to Mr. Al Kaline, who passed away, like you said, earlier this week. But that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Emily. Yeah, thanks again for having me.
And as always, this episode, past episodes, and future episodes are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.